You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. I just want to throw some statistics at everybody because the World Economic Forum recently did this last year about the amount of data generated every day. Every day, 500 million tweets are sent, 294 billion emails are sent every day, four terabytes of data are created from each connected car. I mean, this is just a little taste of the amount of data that is being done on a daily basis. It's a lot, and we are dealing with that deluge every moment of our day. Vikram Mancharani, Manchar Amani, excuse me, is a lecturer at Harvard University, and he's got a new book out. It's really about how to step away from some of that. It's entitled Think for Yourself, Restoring Common Sense in an Age of Experts in Artificial Intelligence, and he joins us on the phone in Lexington, Massachusetts. Vikram, forgive me, I mangled your name, and I really apologize for that. Um, I need some data help on that. Um, Tell us a little bit about this book. Why write it? Sure. So part of it is that I think all of us are now suffering from not only this information overload and data deluge that you refer to, but it's creating this desire for optimization in everything we do. And so that desire has led us to stop thinking. We've run headlong into the arms of experts and technologies that promise to help us overcome this fear of missing out on the optimal choice. And so we stopped thinking. And so my book is really a call to sort of take a step back and start reclaiming some of the autonomy we've given up in this process. And it's not just from technology. It's also from experts, whether they're your doctor or your financial advisor or et cetera, but it's to change the nature of those relationships. And one of the things you say, Vikram, is that we need to keep experts on tap, but not on top. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, look, that's a great point. I mean, the, the reason I say that is I think for too long, we've bounced like a ping pong ball between complete dismissal of experts and blind deferral to experts. What I'm suggesting is a nuanced middle ground, one in which we are able to tap into the value that experts have and bring to the table. They obviously know a lot about their domains of expertise, more than a lot of us will ever know. And so we shouldn't dismiss them, but at the same time, they don't have an appreciation for the context that each of us faces in our decision-making. And so we shouldn't defer to them either. So neither dismiss nor defer keep them on tap, but not on top. You know, it's so interesting, especially, Vikram, you know, in a time where we're talking so much about inequalities, and we're talking about how the data has shown that diversity makes a difference, you know, in terms of financial performances at firms, uh, you know, having diversity of thought, it's just so much more rewarding, certainly for a culture, but also financially for a company. How do you find the balance between data and kind of gut and common sense, trusting your own data set of knowledge. Sure. So, Carol, one of the things I say in the book and that I really believe is that every single perspective is biased, incomplete, and limited. And as such, the best way to proceed is to triangulate by using multiple perspectives. Now, in terms of diversity, that means anyone who brings a different perspective other than your own is additive. And so I'm a big believer in diversity because it makes a great deal of sense in making better decisions. Uh, so, so that's one thing. Now, in terms of data and how we use it, you know, lots of people will say there are lies, uh, damn lies in statistics. <laughs> right. um, and uh, there's a little bit of truth to that in the sense that a lot of the data can be manipulated. So it's the right. context 
of the data that really matters. It's the ability to connect the dots across disparate data sets. That's where I believe the value is moving. And so rather than focus on generating dots, I think we should all spend a little more time connecting dots. Vikram, teach us. Help us understand how to be better in this world because we are, in fact, inundated. We are facing this problem. I know I am, and I think I can speak for my partner, too. What do we do? (laughs) Well, you know, one of the things I highly recommend all of us do is to always seek disagreement. So not just get the advice of one person, but get someone who can disagree with that expert and give you both sides of an argument. And I think it really is uh, a useful way to sort of help people make better decisions in the face of uncertainty. And it reminds me of that uh, that Alfred Sloan quote, which is so famous. Uh, the you know Alfred Sloan, the former chairman of General Motors, right? You know. He comes into a boardroom meeting and he has a discussion and he says, gentlemen, I take it we're all in complete agreement about this decision. And he looks around and he sees everyone's head sort of nodding in agreement. And his answer is, well, then I propose we postpone further discussion on this matter to give ourselves time to develop disagreement and perhaps gain some understanding of what the decision is all about. And I think that captures the essence of it, that you really can't appreciate the complexities if you have one side of a story. You know, it's so interesting. It's like journalism 101. And I feel like when I was kind of starting my career, I would do a story and it was imperative that you got both sides of the story and you presented that way to hopefully let the audience see both sides uh, or your viewers or your listeners and, and make a decision, but make an informed decision. You know, something's happened though, Vikram, in our world where People, like we see this on colleges and universities, people are afraid to have diversity of thought. Speakers who are controversial, you know, students protest, and then the colleges don't have those speakers. And I, and I thought, isn't that how we open up our minds? We may not agree. We may, you know, strongly disagree with someone. But isn't that what the world is supposed to be about, that we hear different thought, diversity of thought, and that we are all are smarter as a result? Yeah, Carol, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, this is really about critical thinking and being able to step back and see both the pros and cons of every decision. And so closing our eyes to different opinions is not a useful process. And so I fully agree with what you're saying here that, you know, you should be open-minded. I'm not suggesting everyone agree with everything that's said by someone they don't, you know, uh, naturally tap into, but you should hear the argument. And then you make your own decision. And then you think for yourself. (laughs) It's why I love always seek a disagreement. I I think that is such a smart thing. You can always come to me. You can always come to me, Carol. (laughs) I was going to say, it's why it works. I know. It's why it works. Um, So, Vikram, I have to ask you, you know, we're living in this topsy-turvy, upside-down world where, you know, our communication is different than it was before. You know, Carol and I, who, you know, spent a couple years in studio together about six feet from each other. Sometimes closer. Uh, our desks, you know, we work at Bloomberg and we're all, you know, right together. Um, and now we are literally, you know, 100 miles, maybe not 150 miles away from each other. You right. know, we can see each other via sure. video conference and that's it. Um, what has this done to us? Granted, we're connection, connected by technology, but, you know, part of thinking for yourself and taking in all of the interesting perspectives. I feel like is you know, being able to see those social cues and body language and all those different yeah. things. So how does this affect the way that we move forward here? You know, Jason, I think there's some cross currents here. I wouldn't say it's either 
universally positive or universally negative. I mean, the fact that I can have in my class that I'm teaching virtually uh, guests visiting from China or yeah. from Europe or from Latin America allows a diversity of thinking that I couldn't bring into an in-class in-person class. Mm. Yet, at the same time, when you're virtual rather than in the classroom with your peers, you're learning differently. You're not getting the same cues. So I think we're sort of expanding the pie of opinions at the same time as perhaps getting fewer of the cues that you might get in person. And so, you know, I think there's some cross-currents. I don't think there's a universal answer to that question. So, oh, go ahead, Jace. Well, I just have one uh, one question See, that occurred to me I, I while you were talking. See, I read that visual cue really well. You read well, the visual cue. Even though we're miles the apart. Waving, the waving like even Kermit. Even though we're miles apart. <laughs> even though we're miles apart. Um, I mean, Vikram, the, the one thing that does occur to me, though, is as you're talking is this notion that if you are seeking a diversity of opinions, which is great, you can paralyze yourself, though. And so how do you figure out a way to be decisive while sure. at the same time sort of aggregating these opinions? Yeah. So, I mean, this is ultimately the uh, the part that I think we started hinting at, which is one needs to be mindful of the process you're using. So I'm okay with you deferring to your GPS device. Just be aware that you're doing it. I'm okay with you listening blindly to what your doctor's recommendations are. Actually, not blindly, but listening to your doctor's recommendations. But I want you to do so mindfully rather than as a default operating condition where you don't think about it. And so, you know, in the book I mentioned, there's a professor at Stanford University. His name's Baba Shiv. um, And he and his wife had a cancer diagnosis. And they proactively decided to give up control. And so they spent, I think, more time thinking about who to give up the control to rather than giving, you know, fighting each decision. And so sometimes it's okay to take the drive, you know, get out of the driver's seat. Uh, so that's one thing. And the other thing I would suggest, which I don't think is particularly unique, but, you know, thinking in terms of scenarios for the future, and then the part that I do think is more unique in, in my recommendation is imagine failure in each of those scenarios. Because when you imagine failure and the path that could lead to potential future failure, you're less likely to fail because of those reasons. Mm. So it's sort of twisting the logic on its head. It's sort of saying, hey, scenario plan and think about five possible scenarios of what might happen in the world to saying, here's five possible choices you could make, and here's how they could all go wrong. And when you focus on the reasons they could go wrong, you're less likely to have those reasons go wrong, so to say. So, um, So, yeah, I mean, those are some strategies that I recommend. Oh, my God, we could talk forever. Yeah, yeah, this is really, and I feel like it's very applicable to the environment we're in right now where we're being bombarded by so much information and trying to figure out the best and smart, uh, you know, decisions and way forward. So um, hopefully you can come back and we can continue this conversation. Vikram Mancharamani is a lecturer at Harvard University. Check out his latest book. It's new. It's just out. It's entitled Think for Yourself, Restoring Common Sense in an Age of Experts and Artificial Intelligence. 